his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Jesse White is about to end his record-setting tenure as Illinois Secretary of State, and this month we're going to give him our best wishes and take some time to look back. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Jesse White is the 37th Illinois Secretary of State. He was first elected in 1998, and he's been re-elected every four years since, more than once as the top vote-getter in the state, and once in 2002, he won all 102 counties in Illinois. But if you ask him, he won't say that's his greatest achievement. Well, this weekend, we will ask him about that and more. We met at Jesse White's office, which is still at the Thompson Center. I started by reminding him that he threatened to retire a few times in recent years. So why now? After 24 years of providing the services that the people of the state of Illinois wish they need and deserve, I decided that I should run off into the sunset, but I'm not going to go very far. I'm going to continue to work with the Jesse White Tumbling team. I've done that for 64 years and have had over 18,500 young people in the last count to my knowledge. Only 15 have gotten themselves in trouble with the law. It's from effort to combat juvenile delinquency. And so I believe that uh, the ex-EG Anulis, who will be my replacement, will do a wonderful job of providing the services to the people of the state of Illinois that they richly need and deserve. You took that office at a time when, frankly, there was a big cloud of scandal over it. Uh, and that must have been a daunting task when you got it. Quite a task. Matter of fact, uh, the, cl- the uh, office of the Secretary of State was under cloud of controversy, and driver's licenses were being sold, unsafe drivers were getting their licenses, and uh, employees were required to buy fundraising tickets, sell fundraising tickets, and do political work. And so I thought that uh, I should get after this situation. So I had dinner with a fellow by the name of Jim Burns, who was a former U.S. attorney from the Northern District of Illinois. We had dinner, and I expressed my desire to have him on board as my inspector general. And he had some reluctance about it, but after the dinner was over, he said, I will take on the challenge of being the inspector general for the Secretary of State's office. And as it turned out, uh, we were able to clean up this office and put it in a posture by which the people of the state of Illinois could be proud. What did it take to change what essentially was a culture of corruption in the office where people were just used to it? Well, the employees were required to buy, buy fundraising tickets, sell fundraising tickets, and do political work. And I just thought that that 
if an individual is working for me, the funds that they generate should be theirs and not to be given to uh, their boss. And so we were able to clear that up. And matter of fact, in Springfield, uh, I was having a fundraising event, and I decided that uh, I would invite my employees. And I indicated to them that they would not be required to buy fundraising tickets. Just come and be my guest. And only a couple hundred people showed up the first time. But later on, they found out that I'm the real deal, that I meant exactly what I said, that we would not require them to buy tickets. As a matter of fact, there were a few employees who bought tickets, and we returned the money to them. When did the job, if it ever did, start to get fun? Well, I'm a former military person. I believe that when you take on a job, you should take on a responsibility that goes with it. And so when I came to this office, I was determined to make this office one of the best offices ever devised by a man or woman. And every day we work toward that end. But that doesn't sound like fun. It sounds like duty. Well, I'm, I'm a former military guy, as I indicated before. I enjoy my job. Uh, I taught school for what, 33 years. And I left with 139 unused sick days. So I love to work. If you, if you take on a job, I believe you should take on the responsibility that goes with it. And you have to be at your duty station, discharge your duties to the best of your ability every day. And that's how I operate. Well, I'm going to talk to you about your, your life of service and, and being in the, in the service in, in a couple of minutes. But if you had to highlight what you think were your... Uh, biggest or or best accomplishments in this office, what would it be? Well, I think that to, to get after the culture of corruption when I first walked into this office was one of the things that I'm proud of. And then the fact that we were able to teach young people how to get from point A to point B behind the wheel of an automobile, and we reduced the, the loss of lives tremendously. And then the organization donor program where in the state of Illinois, we are one of the leaders in asking individuals to participate in this program. I ask that when you're alive and well, give blood. When you're no longer here, give organs. And when you've done those two things, you will make a positive impact on society. Consider the fact that one person can provide life or improve the quality of life for 25 individuals. And right now, we have 7.4 million Illinoisans who have become a part of the organ and tissue donor program. We have 250,000 young people from the ages of 16 to 17 when they first get their driver's license or their state ID, they too sign up, become a part of this wonderful program. And so we are saving lives and we're giving others a second chance at life with this organization donor program. Was there something personal that made you um, stress the organ donation program more than, uh, in, than, than it had been focused on before? Yeah, Craig, uh, I have a sister by the name of Doris, and she was not feeling well, was in dire need of a kidney. There was not a match within the family. She put her name on the organ tissue donor list, and through the generosity of a gentleman, she got a second chance in life. She lived an additional 28 years because of this person's involvement with the organ tissue donor program. And one thing that I noticed about the program, and uh, we've, we've covered organ donations a, a number of times, is the enthusiasm of um, people who have, A, been uh, saved by it in getting out there and spreading the word. Yeah, we have uh, two individuals. One gentleman 
uh, he's part of my staff. He received three organs. And then we have another gentleman, by the name of Mr. Hanks. He received five organs. And we honored a doctor at the Loyola Medical Center. She gave her patient her kidney. And then, of course, uh, a teacher at New Lakes, Illinois, gave her student her kidney. And then there was a minister who gave one of his parishioners an organ. And so the list goes on and on about people who want to make a difference in the lives of others. Um, how frustrating is it uh, that more people don't donate and that, frankly, some people have misconceptions about what donation is and how, how it works? Well, a lot of people seem to think that uh, once they give their organs that you're not concerned about their quality of life. And uh, we remind them that, that, that we're concerned about their life, but they're also concerned about the other person's quality of life as well. And so I am promoting through the churches and through the black community primarily because that's where the myths are located. That uh, when you're alive and well, we want you to give organs, when you, uh, give blood. When you're no longer here, give organs. We've done us two things, made a positive impact upon society, considering the fact that one person can provide life or improve quality of life for 25 individuals. And I get to share with you a story about another family member. My brother was a pharmacist at the Lakeside VA Hospital, who wasn't feeling well. And so we, he, so they, I was asked early on, could we use his organs for transplantation purposes? I said, no, don't bother us, don't bother him. Leave us alone. We were not aware of the organ tissue donor program at the time. But then later on, I got up to speed on it. And my sister, as I indicated before, received an organ. And I have been tireless in my efforts to get the word out about the importance of the organ tissue donor program. When it affects your family or someone that you know, then it becomes that much more meaningful and you become more enthusiastic about it. So yes, every day I am on the trail of trying to let the word be known that uh, the Organ Tissue Donor, Donor Program is alive and well here in, Chicago, here in the state of Illinois. And one of the other uh, highlights that you uh, cited was about young drivers. That was another area that didn't get as much attention until uh, you uh, got involved in it. And what... What do you think drove that, no pun intended? Well, teen drivers were losing their lives on a regular basis on our roads, so we decided to establish a program where the young person would spend 50 hours behind the wheel with their parents. Ten of those hours would be at night, and it would be done over a nine-month period of time. The nine-month period of time would give us the fall, winter, and spring months that will give the a driver an opportunity to drive with their parents and under these condition under adverse conditions. And so as a result of it, a lot of lives have been saved and our T drivers are a lot better drivers today as than they were years ago. Mm-hmm. Um if there's been any criticism of your tenure as uh, Secretary of State it's people who say that the office didn't modernize fast enough, that the computer systems and other things were were old, that lines were too long. Um, a, how did you address that? And B, um, do you think anything could have been done better or faster? Well, 
we no longer have lines, so to speak, within our facility. And, of course, we have an appointment system whereby you can call in and make an appointment. And if you are a senior citizen, disabled, pregnant, or veteran, you go to the head of the line. And so when you go to the Secretary of State's office today, you will see that uh, we provide those services to you in a timely manner and in a highly professional way. Was there anything that uh, that made that transition to better service easier? I mean, was it the technology? The technology and the, and the realization that we had to figure out a way to get people in and out of our facilities in a timely manner. We have 138 facilities scattered throughout, throughout the state of Illinois, and I visited all of them, and then I also have 5,000 libraries, and I visited about 2,700 of those. So I believe in commitment to duty, and I also believe that we should see where there are problems, and if we find that there are some problems or some complaints, we look at them and we figure out how we can resolve them. And so we've been happy about the fact that we've been able to change the way by which the people receive the services of the Secretary of State's office uh, in a timely manner. Was there a uh, was there an attitude change among the the staff there? Because it, it seemed as if the people at the service centers um, became more, if not animated, but more service oriented. Well, yes. Well, I think that uh, when they realized the fact that. Uh, it starts from the top. I believe that when you come into an office seeking the very services that you wish to deserve, that you should be treated in a highly professional manner. Zero tolerance for you being disrespected or be treated in a disrespect in a manner which is not in keeping with the spirit of the office. And so the attitude of the employees have changed. The delivery of services has been speeded up. And we're proud of the fact that we've been able to move this office forward. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and my guest is the retiring Secretary of State of Illinois, Jesse White. Actually, I'm technically his guest because we're sitting in his office, which is one of the few uh, state offices that is still in the Thompson Center. Uh, and uh, so he has moved, but not very far. Um, but uh, it, it's still a nice office. Well, thank you. I'm just, I was down on the fifth floor for many, many years, actually for 23 years. And it was comfortable, but now I've been pushed, I shouldn't say pushed, but I've been asked to relocate to this office. And we've done all we could to try to modernized streamline the office and it's, it's something that uh, is not to my liking but it's compatible and as long as you have uh, been in this office uh, and i mean the office as the office of secretary of state now um one gets a lot of memorabilia <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of history on the walls in this office and on the uh, and on the shelves well i have received a lot of accolades uh, over the over the years, I was a state representative for 16 years, representing probably the most diverse district in the country. Lincoln Park, DePaul, River North, Streeterville, the Gold Coast area, Magnificent Mile. And I uh, did that for 16 years. My godfather is a fellow by the name of George Dunn. George Dunn is the longest serving president of the Cook County Board. And one day he asked me, would I consider running for state representative? And I said, Mr. President, I enjoy knocking on doors circulating petitions 
and getting the word out about the, the candidates that we've endorsed. But I don't think I would do very well being a state lawmaker. And so he says, well, can you think about it? So I, said, I used to ski every weekend at Schuss Mountain in Massalona, Michigan. And I, there's this one hill for about 10 years I was not able to negotiate. And on this particular day, I went down to 12 times without falling. I said, well, if I could handle this hill, I could handle a political arena. So I came back and I called President Dunn, indicated that I would uh, like to embark upon running for state representative. He said, well, thank you. Glad to have you on board, Jess. I said, by the way, uh, what are the boundary lines of the district? He said, oh, from Fullerton to to the Chicago River south. I said, it's to the downtown area? He said, yes. And then from Lake Michigan over to the north branch of the Chicago River. I said, well, uh, what are some of the communities that make up that district? He says, Lincoln Park, DePaul, River North, Streeterville, the Gold Coast area, Magnificent Mile, Cabrini Green, Ranch Triangle. I said, Mr. President, that's like two strikes against me and a curveball coming up. He says, you'll do fine. And so I ran and I served for 16 years. In addition, I was 85% white, 10% black, 5% others. So people weren't concerned about my color of skin. They were concerned about my commitment to duty. And you've had that. Although, now, since you mentioned the uh, baseball analogy, I can't let this interview go without uh, mentioning that you were also in the Chicago Cubs. Yes. I I graduated from Lincoln Park High School. Let me go back a little bit. I was born in a town called Alton, Illinois, and at age seven moved to Chicago to the near north side in a predominantly Italian neighborhood. Attended Waller High School, which is now Lincoln Park. Played basketball, baseball, and played in the band and orchestra. Played drums. And uh, and I wanted to go off to college. I was an all-city basketball player. And so Beloit College said, we want you, but I didn't have a sequence in math. Ripon College, no sequence in math. Northwestern, we want you, but no sequence in math. Since these states said I was too short. Alabama State, Montgomery, Alabama, said, you're just right. So I went there, played basketball, baseball, and taught gymnastics. And uh, Dr. King was my minister. I lived in the same dormitory with former Mayor Eugene Sawyer. Mm. And so I had a great experience in Montgomery. Dr. King used to meet me after every basketball game and counsel me and give me $20. But that was legal then, but it's not legal now. And so at church, he indicated that a lady by the name of Rosa Parks had been arrested and was, and he had been asked by the city fathers to lead the effort to desegregate the Montgomery Transit System and said, I've agreed to do so, but I'm going to use the nonviolent means approach in order to bring that about. He said, so if someone strikes you on one cheek, you turn like Gandhi did and get struck on the other cheek. And so I raised my hand. He said, Jesse Ray, what can I do for you? I said, Dr. King. You know me, and you know me well. You know I'm from Chicago, and we don't operate like that. He says, well, just, just follow the script, and everything will be fine. And so as it turned out, we were successful in bringing about the integration uh, of the Montgomery Transit System in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. A lot, then, of, then, then a lot then, of Later history. on, I came back to Chicago and was taken out to Wrigley Field by a fellow by the name of Bill Prince who had watched me through high school. And um, he urged me to take part in the tryouts. There may have been about 200 ball players, and uh, they only took five, and I was one of the five. So four days before going to spring training, 
So going to spring training, and I'm going to basic train at Fort Linderwood, Missouri. I was drafted into the Army. I tried to get out of it, but I, I was unsuccessful. So I spent time at Fort Linderwood doing my basic training. And then later on, I decided I want to learn how to jump out of airplanes. So I went to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, went through jump school, did 35 jumps, came back to Chicago, put my uniform in the closet, got my ball, bang, glove, and flew off to Mesa, Arizona to play baseball in the Chicago Cub organization. That is amazing. And, and, and if your life stopped there, it still would have been a lot of accomplishments, but it didn't. Um, you mentioned that you taught gymnastics. And uh, so... Is that what gave you the spark to form the Jesse White Tumblers? And, and tell us a little bit about that. Well, when I was in college, uh, I taught gymnastics, played baseball and basketball. And during the off-season, I came back to Chicago, and President Dunn always had a job for me with the Park District. And so I was asked to pull in the gym show, and from the one gym show in December 1959, came to Jesse White Tumbler team. And so right now, I, and parents after one gym show, parents said, uh, I heard that you're not going to continue on with this program. I said, well, no, I'm not. She says, well, uh, I should say she, they said, you're saving a lot of lives. These kids love you. They want to come to the park. They want to be with you. And they love gymnastics. I said, okay, but I'll try one more year. And then, after that year, I said, well, I'm going to give it up. They said, no, we need you again. So as it turned out, 64 years as coach and father of the Jesse White Tumbling team, when you get it, you give it back, and you must do something good for someone every day. That's how I run my life. Well, and that team has not just meant something to the kids who participate, but I, I look at the faces of the schools where you perform, uh, that kids other kids who are watching realize they too could do this and and how has that worked and made the program grow well we've had over 18,500 young people to come through the program we have two training locations uh Tilly Park on the 9th and King Drive and my center the Jesse White Community Center Fieldhouse at 412 West Chicago Avenue we've had over as, as I said 18,000 young people we also do about 1,500 shows a year. We travel all over the world, Zagreb, Croatia, Belize, Israel, China, Tokyo, Japan, Hong Kong. The list goes on and on. We've been involved with a number of commercials. And the young people have to be in school on time every day and have one aim in mind. That's to get the best education possible. Zero tolerance when it comes to racial hatred. And they have to be leafless. Smokes and pipes the only time they can practice pharmacies after they've earned a white coat. So we have strict rules and regulations with these young people. Every year we send 20 of them off to college, and we give each one between 3000 and 8000 toward the education. And we're part of the fact, too, that we also have a trunk party with about 800 young people who have graduated from high school who want to go off to college. They don't necessarily have to be a part of the Jesse White Tumblr team. Just be a good student and a good human being. Let us know that you've graduated from high school, that you're going on to college, and you need some help. And I tell the parents, we'll take care of your school supplies, and you take care of the scholarship. And so we've had a good partnership with the community and helping our young people to grow tall and straight. And I've noticed that uh, at some point girls started uh, joining the team as well. We have girls in our program, and it took a while for me to move to that arena. (laughs) 
but we're glad to have them on board and they do a great job. Yeah. And then if the other thing too, and if you see, uh, we've traveled, as I said, all over the world, but we also do the Big Ten, uh, NBA, NFL, baseball, tennis, soccer, we do it all. Mm. Um, I want to ask you about, well, first off, you say you're going to continue with the Jesse White tumblers. I about it because when you can figure out that you've had over 18,500 kids and only 15 have gotten themselves in trouble with the law, there's a lot of value in that. And they'll tell you quickly, I'd rather be in trouble with the police than be in trouble with Mr. White than you know the rest of the story. Indeed. Are you going to continue, if not elective politics, are you going to still be politically active? Oh, no doubt about it. I'm not a quitter. No. When there's a job to be done, I'm, I'm your guy. And now I do want to talk to you a little bit about, about what you think of today's politics, because we're in an era where people talk down about each other, um, it's it's a lot of tactics as opposed to service. What's your feelings about the kind of politics that people are watching, the attack ads and all of that? Well, I have never been negative toward my opponent. I've been positive about what I plan to do within the office. And I want you to measure me on what I've done in the past and what I plan to do in the future and not go negative toward my opponent. Mm. In fact, I remember talking uh, in, during one election, one of your re-election campaigns, with one of your opponents and asked what the uh, that person, because you inspired that kind of thing in some other people too, and that uh, that Republican said, I have a picture of Jesse, of me and Jesse White on my wall. <laughs> and so, and he said, and it's staying there. So I'm not going to say anything bad about him. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it is, it, it's infectious. Um, what's your hope, though, for Illinois, for Illinois politics? Well, I just want the people who become our representatives, our leaders, to not only take on the job, but take on the responsibility that, go, go, that goes with it and be at your duty station, discharge your duties every day in a manner which the people could be proud. Be the, the safety net. Be the light at the end of the tunnel for the, for the people who have elected you to office. Be available to them. More people than you could ever possibly imagine have my personal telephone number. Same thing holds true with my home number, and same thing holds true with my office number. So if they have a problem, I have a problem, and we, I want to make sure that I address it. Do you ever regret um, spending so much time in government and and public life and in service? I, I, I'll be honest, I don't think that there are many of us who know anything about your family life because this has seemed to be your life. Well, let me tell you a little about my family life. There, there were seven of us, uh, four boys, three girls, uh, George, my youngest brother, was a pharmacist at the Lake Xavier Hospital. My oldest brother, Edward, was stationed in Germany. My next oldest brother, Charles, was stationed in Korea, and I was stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So all four of us were involved with, with the military. And then my, two, my three sisters, Doris, passed away after receiving a kidney. And then this Dorothy and, and, and Cor, Cor and I are the only ones who are living out of the seven of us. 
and uh, God rest uh, the soul of my mother and father, two beautiful people who really did a great job of rearing us. And then I was I was married once upon a time, and I have three children, uh, and one is a, works for Boeing Airlines. He's a an engineer, and uh, Glenna uh, is a certified public accountant, and Lorraine's a bookkeeper. So uh, we've all been pretty successful, and all have had uh, lives of service and. Uh and I, you know, as long as I've known you, and I knew you when you were a state representative as well, um, you've always, when you've introduced yourself, you've always said reporting for service, and that was one of your hallmarks, I think. I believe in commitment to duty. You take on the job, you take on the responsibility that goes with it, and you be there on time. Next month, Alexi Janulius will take the oath of office to assume Jesse White's seat. My thanks to Secretary White for talking with me. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcast on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.